Some of the people as they were receiving healing ministry were very lucky today. God has healed them. And even if God didn't heal them, even if they weren't healed, that's not a bad thing. Because ultimately, God wants to heal all of you. But whenever He doesn't, it's because there's a reason. And so for the past 33 years, as, as I've done ministry, God has shown me that 100% He always wants to heal. But if the healing did not happen, healing did not happen at that moment, it's because there is some other um, purpose of God. Uh, sometimes God may want to give better things through the suffering of that ailment. And as you well know, I have an illness. I have a long-term illness, and God healed me three times. But because each time I could not um, control myself, the sickness continually came back. And, and honestly, to me, it is grace that I can live with God even with this sickness. And if He heals me, then He heals me. Okay, so has everyone received their uh, orange ranges? Then let's begin. Okay, are you being blessed? I think when it comes to the New Testament, I've already preached out of every single book in the New Testament. The only one I think I haven't done is maybe Revelations. Um, the time is soon coming when I will deal with um, the entirety of Revelations. So in Zoe Ministry, uh, we are finishing, wrapping up the entire 66 books of the Bible. And as the professors of the Pillar of Truth team comes, they're going to take these sermons and make them into books. And with this, we're going to fight for the truth. I think the very first book we'll release is the book regarding Jesus as man so that we can shake the Vatican. There are actually many books out of MB right now. Now they're all uh, transcriptions of my sermons. And recently a book came out regarding um, the uh, spirit, uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And as I was looking at it, it was very good. It's well made. And so it came out in English, and it'll soon come out in Korean, and Spanish as well, and Chinese. It'll, they'll, it'll be ready soon. And so are we, is it available for sale? Or what? Who made that book recently? 
就是说呢，现在还没有卖，因为呃，等到韩文的编出来之后呢。Okay. Well, primarily English has come out first. And it'd be good if you could、um, take a gander at these books. And、uh, I preached six times regarding the Holy Spirit. And they're all sermons I'm sure that you have heard before. So the first one was the、uh, was the Eye of the Hurricane. And I didn't know that I preached so long, but one、uh, sermon was a single book, right? Very long. And so this pillar of truth team are starting to make these books in order to fight for the truth. And up until this point,、uh, I know it was not easy to follow along in Zoe ministry. But when we engage in spiritual, when we engage in this battle for the truth, it may get more difficult. And I believe and I trust that you are all saturated and fully embedded into Zoe Ministry. And so I believe that you will not be shaken. But if you are shaken, I mean, not much I can do. But what I'm saying this is, is for you to pray. And it's for this time that's coming before us that I establish these five professors, and so they've all written their dissertations based off of my sermons. And so we don't need the content; rather, we need the authority that comes from doctorate. And so Pastor Lee will be finishing soon his dissertation. This is all things I want you to pray for. And then in America, Notre Dame, Mazayo, Mazayo, Mazayo. Okay, Judy will be finishing up at Notre Dame、um, next around next year, and so please pray for Judy as well. It's too it's very difficult for her because she has to spend time with priests. Priests have very strong immorality. And so she's having a very difficult time. And so once、uh, the full number of the truth team comes to fruition,、uh, there will be a very strong、um, hurricane. My name will not be there though. If so, if you ask someone asks you who wrote this book, do not say Pastor Mino Kim. It's all our professors. If someone's to die, they are to die, not me. <clears throat> Because I need to survive to the very end. Okay, and so. And so, for the past twenty years, we've been going down this process of、uh, establishing the pillar of truth, and we are finally putting the finishing touches, right? Finishing touches, whether it comes to the、uh, exposition of the sixty-six books of the Bible. I think so far, I've only haven't touched Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and if necessary, I will go into those books. But apart from that,、um, we're pretty much finished. And as we look at the prophets, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm very blessed by the epistles of the New Testament. 
But there's a different dimension of grace when you when you eat the word of the prophets. How can the prophets and the apostles speak from the same current? And and that is great blessing to me. And so if you don't understand the Old Testament, you do not understand how great that grace the New Testament unveils is. Okay, the New Testament words doesn't just come out of nowhere. But rather, it's under the same flow and current of the Spirit through the prophets. And so, and so it's so clear that God is the author of the Bible. And so, you know, whenever I was preaching, I didn't preach them in compartments. Whenever I touched the Bible, anywhere in the Bible, it was all one. And it's all connected to the other. And in one sermon, the entire Bible is wrapped into it, right? Because the Bible is a single life. Just as you can feel pain when you when you when there's pain in your pinky. Why? Because the pinky is part of your body. It's the same thing with the Word of God. Wherever you touch in the Bible, it's all one life. And so we call this the integrated perspective. That all 66 books of the Bible must be integrated within one another. And so what is the New Testament? Oh, no, no. Okay, what is the issue with seminary? Is that, is that they separate all the books of the Bible. The Word of God cannot be separated. And so right now I'm preaching out of Hosea. But all 66 books of the Bible is being uh, wrapped into it, right? And that's what's important. And so if you eat the word of Zoe ministry as truth, then your uh, Christianity will also be integrated. It's not just uh, aspects. And so if you eat the word of God, then the entirety of that kingdom should move inside of you. That is evidence that you have eaten the word in truth. What does that mean? It means that you don't simply finish on have knowledge of the word, but your life changes, your personality changes, your behavior changes, and you can partake in all kinds of ministry. You need to be this integrated person of God. And maybe some of you may feel like this doesn't apply to you. And yet, for the most part, in Zoe ministry, especially in Yoban Church, that's how we are being trained. And so the Holy Spirit and the truth cannot be separated. Jesus cannot be separated. The life that he has cannot be separated into different pieces. The personality cannot be separate. It's all integrated. And in that person, uh, the kingdom of heaven moves freely within him. And you have been part of Zoe ministry for a long time. And have you ever heard Zoe ministry emphasize just power? Or have you ever heard Zoe ministry only emphasize the word? Or only emphasize your lifestyle? No. It's integrated. And so if you eat the truth in faith, then you will also be an integrated man.
So fundamentally, Zoe ministry needs lots of time. It's not something that can happen quickly. Why? Because it's a ministry over of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is the church. And as a member of that church, you are being built up as the church. And so it's not something that can be made overnight. Now, of course, God work, God's work happens instantly, but it takes time to perfect it. Right? We cannot just be good at the piano. We have to play the piano. We also have to minister. You also have to be able to preach the word. And this isn't a special characteristic of Zoe ministry, but rather this is the essence of the church, as it says in Ephesians 4.11, right? Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers, that this perfects for the building up of the service. And so that means service has all of these, right? Ministers, missionaries, worshipers, preachers of the word, and, um, and uh, donators, and so through uh, the word of God, of Zoe ministry, it is establishing these kinds of people. And so for the past 20 years, uh, it is now time to finally cash in this check that we've been building up. We're not starting anew, but rather next year will be 25 years for Yobang Church. And so for these past 25 years, we are finally uh, seeing the fruit of that. And honestly, there's nothing for me to directly do in Yobang Church. Now, every now and then, I may need to adjust little things here and there. But there's nothing new for me to do. And so it's now time for us to bear fruit. And so now I'm going to spend more time with the go- taking the gospel outside. Because what God wants to do to Yobang Church through me is almost finished. That doesn't mean I'm going to leave Yobang Church. But it means that Yobang Church needs to walk with me in this ministry of the gospel. That if I go to Africa, that they come with me to minister to Africa. If I go to South America, that they come with me to minister to South America. That time is now upon us. that uh, our dream is that everyone is, is a minister. And that took about 20 years to build up. And there are more people who have left this church than those who are here today. And though this is um, tragedy, and yet it was necessary. Why? Because only those who are called to Yerbang Church remain. It's the same thing as Zoe Ministry. About 4,000 pastors have walked through the doors of Zoe Ministry, and I only have, there's only 50 left. They alone are the remnant. And the reason is because of the character, the nature of this ministry. Even now, though there's not that many left, it's still being adjusted. Zoe ministry cannot be, oh, I have mine and let's also receive Zoe ministry. No. You have to let go of what's yours, cast it aside, 
and receive only the Zoe ministry. And if Zoe ministry is truth, then that's what you will do. But if it's not the truth to you, there's no reason for you to be here. Right? If it's truth and yet you have to claim your own thing, then that's no longer works. It, it mean, it's going to be suffering. Do you know how difficult it is when there's a conflict of truth inside of you? Many people don't realize this, but there is this conflict. This conflict is, is torture. And so if you have this conflict within you, it doesn't make sense to be part of the ministry. And Yorban Church has actually been spending time um, dealing this. Many people have come from various missionary organizations. Many people who have studied on their own. And when they, when they have these things, God doesn't leave it alone. And so for the past 20 years, all these things have been weeded out. And only the uh, remnant are left over. And so God is creating this pure bloodline. And it's the same thing with the young adults of the ministry. If you um, stubbornly hold on to your things and add to a ministry, it's not going to work out. It's not because this is my will, but because God will not allow this mixing to happen. And so, young adults, I believe that you are the pure bloodline. Why? Because ever since you were young, you were um, feeding off this word. Amen? And so raise your hand if you do not think you are pure bloodline. You are pure bloodline, yes? Okay, well, as we talk about pure bloodlines, I'm starting to thinking about dogs, like pure breeds. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh. And so why am I saying this? Because Zoe ministry is also upon this season. And so Zoe ministry is, it applies to Zoe ministry as well. Truly those who put their lives for the truth. And so look, in what I've done, there's no righteousness. Oh, sorry, I'm not entirely sure what he means by this. Okay, but I have, but, okay, so I have no regrets. Everything that God wanted me to do, I have given enough opportunity and I've waited long enough. And so now I'm going to invest all my energy to the young adults of Zoe ministry. That to me, the most important thing is raising up the next generation. That is God's will. Because you, the young adults, are the prayer bloodline. Right? Pure breeds of dogs are the more expensive ones, right? Not mutts. So let's continue. <coughs> you should be filled with pride that you are pure breed. Amen? Okay, now that I call you guys pure breeds, I kind of see your faces look like dogs. <laughs> Uh, announcement tomorrow come out 30 minutes early 9 o'clock we'll begin at 9 and I will come up to the stage at 9.30 so that we can finish before 12 
and then after we finish, we'll take a group picture. And so the white t-shirt that you received, we will all wear it tomorrow, right? It's white because it says, because today's topic is do not mix. And so wear that tomorrow, okay? And then let's go to Anzan and eat all you can. You have to eat all you can, okay, Angel? All you can. And then Wednesday, we were planning on going to Everland and Yongin, but because of the cold wave, instead we moved to Lotte World. And so please be aware of that. Uh, because Lotte World is an indoor amusement park, it should be okay. It's already determined who's going, right? Okay. And so, uh, the people from overseas, I hope you will have a um, good time on Wednesday. And then also tomorrow we'll finish. And then so we can say our goodbyes tomorrow. And there's rumors going around saying that there's going to be a conference in Malaysia in December. That's something that I'm unaware of. And so if you hear these rumors, just consider them to be lies for the moment. Because I have not yet determined what we're going to do in the second half of this year. And I request, I, I implore you to join us when we go overseas. Because honestly, $3,000 for two and a half weeks in Central America, that's not a bad deal. And so in March, we'll have a conference in Costa Rica. And so because a thousand pastors are going to be gathering, we need lots of ministers. And so I hope that many of the young adults will go with me. Okay, I have no intention to preach for a long time. Okay, because my, my tongue is starting to get dry and so I don't want to talk. So let's quickly finish, amen? And then so that we can come out tomorrow early. Okay, and so chapter 13. Okay, speaks again of judgment on Israel. And yet the current is flowing towards restoration. So from verses 1 through 3 is regarding judgment on their idolatry. And so through this conference, what you need to see is the vanity of Babylon. That is what needs to be revealed and is what has been revealed. And so if you receive this word in faith then you should uh, be drained of your will to live by Babylon. And so this is the thing that you need to be wary of. That it is deception to believe that lack of things from Babylon is going to cause me unhappiness. That I'm unhappy because I don't have money. No, that is not the case. I'm unhappy because I don't have enough qualifications. I'm unhappy because I don't have enough connections. No, these are all lies. That is only applies to the world. But to children of God, 
We are unhappy because we have things that are coming outside of God. The reason why Israel is destroyed is not because they do not have possessions. It's because they do not live by God. And so it's, but it's, defeat comes from living outside of God, not because we fail to take what's in the world. This is the principle of things. The Bible is continually testifying to this, and that's how our forebears have lived, and even now, men of God live the same way. They do not live by what the world gives. That is the opposite. And so as you live your life, there are some of you who think that, oh, even though I believe in God, I'm not happy. But look at their lives. Look clearly. Is that person really living through God? No, probably not. It's because they're not living for God that they're unhappy. Who, who lives by God and is not victorious? Then bring that person to me. I will bear the responsibility. I will bear the responsibility because God will be, bear responsibility. That's why I'm so confident in this. Now, of course, their circumstances may not necessarily be what the world considers happiness, but that person will not be unhappy. For example, look at the brothers of the Moravian church. They sell themselves into slavery so that they can preach the gospel. But do they fall into despair when, as the slaves? No. Rather, they're filled with joy and inspiration that they have been chosen to preach the gospel. And so no matter what your, how your life may appear to Babylon, if you have the faith and joy and, and inspiration of God, then you will not be unhappy. Moreover, what causes unhappiness is when you possess the things of the world, try to protect the things of the world. Our happiness comes from the passion and the love and the dignity from God not from the possessions of this world. Oh, I have lots of money. Do you think if you think you are happy because of that then you are a lunatic? Do not put meaning into things that are temporal. If it's not eternal, it has no meaning. And so this may not feel practical to you. It, it, but once you get to my age, 70-80, really, it's been 33 years since I've walked with God. And of course, I've done many embarrassing things. And yet, for the past 33 years, I've done my best to walk with God. And as I look back, I really see how empty and how vapid this world is. And honestly, I can no longer even remember how to live in the world. I, I, I completely forgotten how to live by the methods of the world. And so when I see the saints live by the world, I look at them as strange. Oh, how can believers of God live like this? And so to me, they are strange. Because I've been walking with God for such a long time, this is what happened. 
Honestly, the world is empty. There's nothing in this world that is worth it. There's nothing that is necessary. In faith, all things are possible. Really, in faith, all things are possible. That when I pray to God, God gives everything. And so, I don't need to ask from the world or beg from the world. I don't need to invest energy in the world. And so don't think like this. Oh, it's because it's you, pastor. No, no, it's not because I'm a pastor. It's because I'm a child of God. Because I'm a child of God, this is how I live. Have I ever said that I preach because I'm a pastor? No, I preached even when I was a lay member. And so in faith, all things are possible. So why invest in the world? Why do you think that the world is, you're losing out on the world? No, there should only be one thing that comes to mind when you think of the world, which is what is, it's my domain. It's something for you to reign over, not something for you to bend your knee to. And so God, through me, reigns over the world. And when that world rejects that reign, God annihilates the world, tramples the world. And so that's the only perspective I should have towards the world, is that it is my domain. And this is the, 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 um, this is what the truth says. And so do not forget this. And that's why you need to be assured of your dignity and never forget how great our God is. Amen. And so many times you are deceived regarding this. And maybe it's because of your youth. But think about Daniel. Even at 17 years old, he had this clear belief in who God is. Even at that young age, he does not he is not shaken in his walk with God. And so you are not young. How many of you are younger than 17? Not 37, 17. How many of you are younger than 17? No, and so you are not young. And so you need to have the purity of faith in God. Amen. So the introduction was a little bit too long. But so verses 1 through 3 uh, is talking about the past. Verse 1 is the sin of the past. And then 2 is the present. And the third is the sin of the future. So honestly, we as men of God should be the opposite. That we have dealt with all the sins of the past and live in holiness in in the present and live for the glory that's coming in the future. That when you live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, you will see this. And so you confirm the beauty of the past in the present. And you pr- uh, make present the bu- glorious future. But it's similar when you are filled with demons. That you feel the torture of the pain of the past. And you worry and worry even and, and are anxious about the pain of the future. And so from that perspective, fullness of the Holy Spirit, fullness of demons is similar. Right? Even before the future comes to pass, you're already anxious and worried. Why? Because you do not have the assurance of God's righteousness. And so, 
already you can see that our true happiness doesn't come from lots of money, but it comes from God's righteousness. We have the joy of God's righteousness. Why? Because what is a righteous man? It's a man who can meet with God. And when we meet with God, we are filled with joy. We have the joy to call upon the king of all kings. We have the privilege to meet with the king of all kings. And so, of course, we are happy. We are always happy. And so the Bible says to rejoice. Always rejoice. Give thanks every day. And so let's continue. Verse 1. When Ephraim spoke, there was trembling. And so during the reign of Jeroboam II, northern Israel was the most powerful country in the region. And so they were the most powerful nation in the region. And so particularly through the alliance between Aram and northern Israel, they would uh, uh, oppress southern Judah. Because they have strength, they would oppress their brothers, Judah. And that's what empires is all about. Empires is about strength, right? Even now, when you see uh, strong nations, they boast in their weapons. They boast in their strength. What is that saying? That they are living like animals. Right? That's why this world lives like animals. And in the Bible, it describes three types of life. Eternal life, Zoe. And then there's bios, the life of animals. Right? This is 1 John 1.15. And so whenever you see these bio products, that's, what this, that's where that word comes from, is bios. And so because people eat so much bio products, that's why they become like animals. And so they are becoming like the animal kingdom, right? Uh, a, a world of strong eats the weak. It's the same thing with the children of God. If you do not live by the kingdom of God, then you live automatically by Babylon, which worships strength. And this is what's influencing you, brothers. You are depressed and falling into despair because you do not possess things, because you don't have strength. And, and, and whenever the opportunity presents itself, you try to possess things. But remember, what is Christianity? It's about giving up. It's giving up that life. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven belongs to the humble. Who are the humble? It's not about people who have no strength, but it's people who cannot live without God. That is what humility is. So these humble ones do not possess things. They do not live by the strength of Babylon. If they have strength, it's the strength of God. And so Paul says in 2 Corinthians that he boasts in his weakness that when I am weak, I am strong. And so the world likes to have more, have bigger things, higher things, more fancy things, more better things. And if you want the same things, then you're already influenced by Babylon. That is not what the kingdom of heaven is about. The kingdom of heaven is about the humble ones. And so when I say this, you should feel conflict. And this conflict doesn't come because it's difficult. 
This conflict comes because it's evidence that you are influenced by Babylon. If you are living by the kingdom of heaven, you would not have this conflict. Rather, you would repent because you, you cannot lay it down. And so, humi- humble one doesn't mean that you are powerless. Now, your circumstances, your circumstances, it may be easier to be poor, but that's not the principle of things. It doesn't mean that you have to be poor. There are many people who may be poor in the world, but their spirit is rich. They are self-centered, right? And so what does it mean to be humble? It's not about your circumstances. It's not talking about the elements of your circumstances, but it's talking about someone who is fully reliant upon God, someone who lives for eternity. And so unless you live that way, you keep looking to your self-centered desires. Amen. And so if you are confused with this word of the humble ones, it means that you are too influenced by Babylon. You are becoming Babylonian. And so please do not uh, be confused and do not be surprised. Rather, repent. Lord, I am yet to be empty. Lord, I have been influenced by the current of Babylon, which worships strength. And so if you can clearly recognize this at your age and you live out your life based on that faith for 10 years, then truly I cannot wait to see what kind of person you will be. Someone who does not limit the Holy Spirit, someone who does not go against the Holy Spirit. Who can, who can bear to contend with that person? That is your goal. Your goal isn't to eat well and to live well. Your goal isn't to find success in Babylon. Your goal is to be someone who God acknowledges. Someone who the Holy Spirit can freely pour out. So I hope you would set the right goal, brothers. And yet, Israel as well became influenced by Babylon, and so they tried to oppress based on strength. And the reason why they were influenced by this is because they lived selfishly. And so throughout the book of Hosea, I've been continually mentioning selfishness. And the reason why I'm repeating this is because it's important. And this is the most fundamental problem. And so, the issue of life isn't about outside factors. It's not because of that person. Oh, because I don't have money. Uh, Because I grew up under these parents. Uh, Because my family is this limited. No, that's from the perspective of the world. If you live by the kingdom of heaven... That 99.99% of your life's direction is not blocked by outside factors. Right? In the in the um, praise, there is a song that says, Through the storm, I got there quicker. Right? 
And so these outside factors will actually be helpful rather than obstacles. And that's why Paul always emphasizes strength in weakness. And so all of these things that make your circumstances difficult are elements that can make you easier to live by God. And so where is the focus? The focus isn't your circumstances. The focus is, are you going to be selfish or are you going to be God-centered? If you are selfish, then even if you have money, it's a problem. And if you don't have money, it's another problem. But if you're God-centered, even if you have money, it's not a problem. And when you don't have money, it's a problem. So the problem is not money. The problem is, who are you going to live for? This must be clear to you. So what you need to see is how deceived you are. Even if you look at famous people in the world, though this might not apply to them in faith, but there are people who have right way of thinking. Right? For example, look at Edison, Thomas Edison. Right. Uh, in order to discover light, he had to, he failed fifty thousand times, and so, so, and so uh, this guy who was working for Edison said that I failed fifty thousand times, and so now I quit. What does Edison say? No, we didn't fail fifty thousand times. We found fifty thousand incorrect methods. And so I don't know if Edison had faith or not, but look at the way he thinks. It's different, right? You like baseball, right? Many of you like baseball. And there was the home run king, Hank Aaron. He used to be a very good baseball player. And one reporter asked him, how do you get out of a slump? And this is what he says, that I take pity on the pitcher. Because when I get out of my slump, I'm going to hit more home runs. So look, his way of thinking is different. And so if the devil oppresses me, I don't even get oppressed these days. But this is what I say. Just wait a little bit. You're going to die at my hands. That's what I think whenever I'm oppressed by the devil. And so these are people who are not influenced by outside factors. That is the power of faith. If you live by the Holy Spirit, that's the power you will have. And so, if the center of your life is influenced by outside factors, it's not because the outside factors is strong, but you are living selfishly. That's why. And so, the question of life is, who are you living for? This must be clear to you. Amen? And going beyond that, what dwells inside of you? It is the Holy Spirit, the Word, and the power of the blood. Even if I had just one of these three elements, I would fly. But I have all three. That means that, that in all circumstances, I have everything necessary to be victorious. I say again, no matter the circumstances, I have everything required to be victorious. And the reason why you fail is because you ignore these powerful tools and only live by your thoughts. Why do you uh, leave your, the Spirit of God alone? Why do you leave this Word that has created this entire universe alone? 
Why do you ignore the blood that has the power to unravel all your bindings? Amen. This is really important, brothers. Listen well. Excuse me. Oh, this is a very tasty chocolate. Okay, I give you one and I give Unun one. I'm a very good pastor, aren't I? And so because they have their own strength, what happens is they exalt themselves. He was exalted in Israel. Remember, throughout the book of Hosea, it talks about themselves, right? Also in verse 2, for themselves. And so Habakkuk also says the same thing. Who is the evil man? It's the one who lives for themselves. Those who, whose God is themselves. And so when you live by Babylon, the strength of Babylon enters into you. And when you exalt yourself, what does that mean? It means you are arrogant. And one of the five evil desires is the desire for fame. And so ultimately, no matter where you step in Babylon, the result is what? Idolatry. Let's say that you have strong desire for possession. Even this ends up in idolatry. Let's say someone has a strong desire for security. That also ends up to idolatry. Let's say someone has strong desire for control. That also ends in idolatry. So throughout Hosea, we've been seeing this truth. And so because Israel gets strengthened in Babylon, they get stronger in the desire for fame. They become arrogant. And but he incurred guilt through Baal and died. And so, see, it leads to idolatry. And so they sin against God. And because they sin against God, what can God do is to uh, punish them, is to judge them. Whenever Israel serves anything else apart from God, they are judged. And so as children of God, we should not treat this matter lightly. Do not treat this matter lightly. Amen. If there's anything you love more than God, that is idolatry. And God's will towards idolatry is what? Is condemnation. It's not because God is selfish or greedy. No, it's because God knows that our glory and our happiness comes from when we serve Him. That's why in Deuteronomy 33, what does God say? Israel, how happy you are. Why? Because when Israel lives by God, they are the happiest people on the earth. And this is the truth of the Word of God. Amen? So continue. And so they tripped over uh, idolatry. And so do not put off putting yourself to death. If you possess the things of the world, it, if you were to be happy, then okay. But the problem is, is even that gets taken from you. 
And so in Romans 8, 13, Paul says an amazing things. If you live by the flesh, you will surely die. That you are people who have the amazing experience of freedom. And these people, if they live by the flesh, they will surely die. And so the only way we can live is to put to death the fleshly desires through the actions of the Spirit. And so when you live by the Holy Spirit, every day you will put yourself to death. You don't need to try to purposely put yourself to death. No, if you live by the Spirit, the Spirit will lead you automatically to put the self to the death. That's how the Holy Spirit will lead you. It's not compelled. It's not forced. All I have to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Then He will make a poor spirit in you. And in that poor spirit, He will give you a heart that mourns. And He'll give you a heart that is meek. And He'll give you a heart that thirsts and hungers for righteousness, that is filled with mercy, and that is pure in heart and will see God. And so through the fullness of the Holy Spirit, He leads you in all of these things. And so what is the answer? What is the key? It is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so move on to verse 2. And it begins by saying, and now. And so this is now uh, talking about the present. And so if they repented the sins of the past, they would have borne fruit of that repentance and it would have been finished, but they did not repent. And so they sin evermore. And so if you ignore sin without repenting, that sin doesn't just stay still. The hook of that, the hook of that sin attracts more and more sin meaning that the strength of the old self gets strong inside of you. Remember, I talked about this mechanism in Romans. And so, simply speaking, if you don't deal with your sin, that sin remains in your conscious. And it keeps giving you the information of that sin to your mind. And with that information, the devil keeps uh, tempting you and making you to fall. And even if you don't actively sin, because that information is there, like it says in Romans 7, 8, that sin uh, acts as a spy and uses the law to continually condemn you. And so, as it says in Revelations, blessed is he who washes his clothes every day in the blood of the Lamb, that we all need to constantly cleanse our clothes in the blood of the Lamb. Amen? And so, do not ignore the sins that is recorded in your mind. And so, now they sin more and more and make for themselves metal images, idols skillfully made of their silver. And so, again, continue saying for themselves. This is deification of their desires. So idols skillfully made of their silver, right, skillfully. They should use their skills for God, but their skills are being used to serve idols. But, and yet all of them is the work of craftsmen, right? It is said of them, those who offer human sacrifice kiss calves. And so this kissing is the highest expression of worship. If you go to the Vatican, 
there is a statue of Peter in St. Peter's Basilica. And in that statue, his, his big toe is gone. Do you know why? Because so many people for thousands of years have kissed that statue, that in that statue, the toe is gone. The toe is gone because it has eroded away from so many people kissing it. Look, they eat the toe of the statue. That is idolatry. And so when I got there, it was so funny when I saw that. So many people kissed so many times the same place. And so that's when, why do they kiss the big toe? I would have kissed lips. <laughs> and so verse 3. So let's see the spiritual principle of these things. At all times, it is important to be sensitive to the issue of sin. To the man who fears God, he will be sensitive to sin. He will not ignore, leave, he will not neglect and allow sin to just enter into him. Right? He will sensitively be on guard. As I said this morning, right? That if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you maintain righteousness. And what is evidence that you are maintaining righteousness is that you're continually repenting. That whenever a sin tries to enter, you have the sensitivity to push it back out. <clears throat> and so, for example, with your cell phones, you look at your cell phone. And in that cell phone, all of a sudden, something immoral flashes. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will immediately turn it off and immediately repent and immediately cleanse yourself with the blood of Christ. But if not, you'll continually look at it, enjoying it. And then if you look at the cell phone for five minutes, your head will start to hurt because you're filled with the Holy This is the secret. Uh, no, this is the evidence that you are maintaining righteousness, that you are constantly repenting. And it's not just this example, but let's say... Let's say you're talking with someone, you're just conversing with someone, and you say something out of your own selfish desire, then you will stop, and you can no longer converse with that person. Why? Because you're going against the Holy Spirit, and you realize that. And so you repent of what you just said. But if you're not sensitive, you just keep talking, keep talking according to your desires. And so let's say someone um, pointed out my weakness. In the past, it was hard for me to accept that. But as I maintain righteousness, now I recognize that as my weakness and I repent of it immediately. If rage comes up, if anger comes up, then I stop. I do not allow that anger to take possession of my actions or my words because I repent of it immediately. And this is the image of those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They do not allow the strength of, 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 of wickedness, of iniquity to, to partake in them. And so examine yourselves. If you were to see clearly how much how polluted you are throughout your daily life you would be surprised and and from the same context despair depression is the same thing you would not allow despair to seep into your heart 
And you would be able to turn that mourning into dancing. That is what it means to maintain joy. That is evidence that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So let's continue. Verse 3. Therefore, now it's talking about the future. So what's going to happen in the future? And so they didn't deal with the sin in the past, and that sin multiplies in the present. Then in the future, it's obvious, right? So when you look at someone's life, you don't need to prophesy for that person. Because when you see that person's life, you can already clearly see what's going to happen to their future. So there's no need for prophecy. Because they haven't dealt with the sin in the past, that sin is multiplying in the present, then what is their future going to be? Right? It's judgment. You don't need to, you don't need prophecy for that person. So if you prophesy for that person, this is what you'll say. Repent. Repent. Let sin stop and remove that wickedness. Remove that iniquity. And so what happens? Therefore, they shall be like the morning mist. Right? And in Israel, this is what the weather is like. That when the wind blows, uh, the land is covered in clouds. And then, it, and then when the wind blows again, it quickly gets taken away. And so what does this mean? It means that they will disappear. That God's judgment is going to come upon them. And this is honestly what happens at the time where Israel was at its most powerful. In just 30 years, they're wiped off the map. Or like the dew that goes early away. Uh, sorry, uh, moving on. Like the chaff that swirls from the threshing floor. This is usually used for wicked people, right? <coughs> and yet God's judgment is coming upon Israel. Or like smoke from a window. And so if you do not deal with your sin, God's wrath is on that person. And his judgment is continually being proclaimed. And so you should be terrified. So, brothers, do not neglect sin. And I, I, I want to, um, I want to emphasize this. If you have a habitual sin, then you need to keep fighting it. Dig at it. If it takes a month, two months, whatever is means necessary. There are many methods I used. For example, uh, you bite on the bit so that you will never, so that you don't say anything, or fast, or I wrote a spiritual diary, and so as I wrote a spiritual di diary, I would write the sin whenever I would do it, and so I told this before that if I lie, even a little lie, I would fast for a day. I made this decision. And what happened is that at the end, I, it, it, I would have starved to death. And so I couldn't keep this up. <laughs> but God had mercy on me because I made this commitment. And so you need to be tenacious towards your sin. And you need to uh, draw the line. Don't just ignore it and let it go however it... Do, do not let it go as it please. Because the devil will continually make you fall through that one channel. 
And so you need to dig it out, root it out. It's the same thing applies to your character. That because your uh, dark character will be used, will be recycled. It will be. For example, anger is tied to sin. Despair or depression is tied to sin. And so if you have this kind of character, it's much more easier for you to sin. Complaining is connected to sin. Gossiping is connected to sin. And so when you have these dark characters, these are also things that you need to root out. Why? Because they would never belong to you in the beginning. God never used these ingredients when he created you. And so that's why you can solve this. And so this kind of spiritual training is very important in your lives. That as you deal with these things, you get to perfect fullness of the Holy Spirit. As you deal with these things, it becomes easier to maintain the fullness of the Holy Spirit. There's many of you who lose your joy. And I can say for sure that this person will not experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If you are depressed, you have to deal with that depression because you will not be able to express the Holy Spirit. So you need to be aware that these characteristics are tied to sin. So let's continue. And so now the second section, verse 4 to 14, it talks about judgment of various sins. So first, verses 4 to 8. God describes himself as a wild beast. Look at, look at the um, depths that God will stoop to. And so from verse 4 to 5, God uh, declares who he is. And then in verse 6, he accuses Israel. And then 7 and 8 is the judgment of that accusation. So 4 is the words, uh, is describing the exodus. 5 is describing the wilderness. Chapter 6 is describing when they settle into Canaan. So let's look at it. Verse 4. But I am the Lord your God from the land of Egypt. So this is something that uh, God continually repeats throughout the book of Hosea. And remember that through uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, already the Israelites were had this covenant with God. And so we call this God's election. And so they are not elected because of their what they've done good, but rather it's completely God's grace. And so that's why we are always filled with joy and inspiration. Why? Because it's not by my works that I'm saved, but by His grace, by the grace of His election. Amen? And so from the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. And I've explained this continuously, but once again, Hosea is emphasizing this. He's saying that Lord God, right? Lord Yahweh God. And so Israel needs to receive God as Yahweh Elohim. That if you do not receive both aspects of this one God, then one then you will fall. Elohim is almighty nature of God. 
right? We need to acknowledge His almighty nature. Genesis 1 to 2, 3, this is Elohim, the God who created the universe. But we also have to acknowledge His Yahweh. What it means to acknowledge is to receive in faith. So He is Yahweh. Yahweh is the God that is introduced when he creates man. And they are, they are, it is one, right? It is one God. He is one God. And so when you meet with him, you meet with Yahweh Elohim. Now, if we focus in a little bit more, Elohim is God that manifests himself. But Yahweh is the relationship we have with God. And so Israel, because he is Yahweh, has a relationship with him. And his power manifests because he is Elohim. Amen? And so this is from a smaller, more focused definition. And so we need to receive both names of God in order for us to live properly with, with God. This is really important to understand. There are some of you who cannot respond to Elohim. There are many reasons for this. Maybe you have hurts towards spiritual gifts. Or maybe even though you prayed and prayed and prayed, you were never answered. Or you had to solve all of your problems. Then Elohim is, the part aspect of Elohim is broken inside of you. You've never experienced it because you didn't live by the Holy Spirit. Now others uh, are broken to the aspect of Yahweh. I have hurts towards my father. I've been wounded by my father. And because of this relationship we have with Yahweh, we can call him Abba Father. But if you have wounds towards your father, then this aspect of God gets broken down. And so a healthy theology is having this perfect relationship with Yahweh Elohim. Means that you do not doubt his almighty nature and you do not doubt his love. And so it doesn't just end here, stop here at theology, but it also goes to Christology. And so if theology is broken, Christology is broken. And if Christology is broken, does it end there? No, then it also uh, destroys the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And so the reason why the basic fundamentals of theology is important is because this allows you to have a relationship with God. Let's say, for example, you're broken to the aspect of Yahweh. Then in Christology, what's going to be broken? These people cannot easily, they cannot accept the fact that Jesus Christ is the same man as you and me. They cannot, they are not aware that the Holy Spirit is with us. Why? Because this is all about relationship, right? My relationship with them. And so in faith, you need to have a healthy relationship with Yahweh Elohim. And you need to find in yourselves what part is broken. And if we expand on this a little bit, let's say that in your faith life, power is not manifest. Then what's the problem? It, is it theology, Christology, or doctrine of the Holy Spirit? Now, you do not need to separate these. 
right? If you deal with one, it deals with all of them. And so let's say you live by the Holy Spirit, but you're not receiving the fullest of the Holy Spirit. Why? Is it the problem with Christology or theology? And so, wow, I can see your heads rotating, rotating and spinning. Where is this pastor going? Just listen. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Just listen. Excuse me. And so let's just look at one thing. Am I receiving in faith Yahweh Elohim? I don't need to say much regarding this. Just your relationship with your father. And the reasons why, even though you pray to God, you don't receive any answers. This is Elohim and Yahweh. And so from the beginning, fundamentally, Israel had this relationship with Elohim Yahweh. And so one cannot be absent without the other. You know no God but me. And so if Yahweh gets broken, then you acknowledge other things instantaneously as God. Right? This word God here is the word Elohim. And as you know, Elohim can be used to even idols. That as long as he will empower me, I'm willing to serve anything as my Elohim. For example, uh, Benihim. Uh, after the Holy Spirit left him, he goes, he goes to Buddhist priests, Buddhist monks to receive energy. <coughs> Excuse me. And so because he's broken to Elohim, he anyone is Elohim as long as he gives him strength. That as long as you give me strength, you are God. If you bless me, you are God. And so this is what happens to people who do not see God clearly, who do not meet with God clearly. And so this is the battle for the truth. So for the past 2,000 years, because the church had the wrong truth, that's why the church ends up becoming so powerless. And that's why uh, keep blaming heretics. Honestly, why fight with heretics? They're nothing. Honestly, when you look at the theology of heretics, it, it's, it's comedy. It's comedy. You just laugh at it. And so remember, it's not about outside factors. It's about the inside factor of the truth in the church. Amen? Right? Heretics, heresies, we don't have to waste energy on them. And so I will not continue to say more because it might look like arrogance. But really, it's comedy. It's comedy. And so young adults, if you have the faith, go, try going to one of these heresies and, and transform them. Bring revival to them. At the very least, don't you think that you should be able to do so when you have this truth? Okay, no, but... 
Okay, actually, uh, you probably won't be able to go in because if they do a background check on you, they'll know immediately who you are. But anyways, so hallelujah. And so it's important to meet with God in truth and in full health. And it says, and besides me, there is no Savior. And this Savior is not going to heaven. But all the problems of Israel is solved in, within the context of the relationship of Elohim Yahweh. And so the reason why Israel during the wilderness complained whenever they had the opportunity is because they lost sight of this. They lost sight of their relationship with Elohim Yahweh. If this is healthy, then when they're hungry, they could just ask from God. That if they wanted meat, they could just ask God, give me money, uh, give me meat. But instead they complained and lying out of their teeth, saying that when I was in, at least in Egypt, we had meat whenever we wanted. Is that true as slaves? No. And so God heard that and he said, oh, so you want meat? You want meat? Then I will fill your bellies with meat until you burst. That when that happens, you'll see the judgment of this. And so God's true judgment isn't about starving you. It's about filling you till you burst. To make your stomach burst because you're so full. <laughs> okay, God is terrifying, right? He can be terrifying. And so this is the source of the problem of Israel. That God alone is their savior. But because this relationship is broken, they complain and complain. <laughs> and so regarding all problems and all our needs, as long as we have this healthy relationship with God, we will ask. And when we have this healthy relationship, our life will be simple. If it's complicated, this is a problem. When you talk to your father, is it complicated? Let's, uh, let's say your father has lots of money and you say to God, or you say to father, hey father, um, these days the economy is bad. And because the economy is bad these days, uh, there is this kind of problem that I have. And as inflation is rising up, I know that your situation is not so good. But I need $10. No, you will not ask in this complicated manner, right? But there's many people who talk to God like this. <laughs> was it a good example? <laughs> see, it, makes, it brings me joy to see you laugh. Thank you for laughing at my joke. You're laughing, right? But if you would realize that that's you... Isn't that tragic? Many of you speak to God like this. Right? And if you serve God out of your mind, that's how what happens. And you're deluded into thinking that that's serving God well. No, they need to be so complicated. Father, I need $10. Right? It's that simple. Why live so complicated? And so let's continue. Verse 5. It 
was I who knew you in the wilderness in the land of drought. So again, this wilderness is primarily in Egypt. But as you see, God keeps bringing Israel to the wilderness. And we saw clearly in Micah chapter 4 verse 8 that Israel needs to flee from the city of religion, the Jerusalem, and go into the wilderness. And so the church needs to be the wilderness. <laughs> Don't allow the church to be the city of religion, Jerusalem. God will not be there. It needs to be wilderness. Because the wilderness is the place where you have to rely on God. And so people of God is first of all made in the wilderness, not made in the city of religion. Understand? Amen? And so in the wilderness, in the land of draw, I knew you. And so this isn't a good thing right now. That because in the wilderness is where their wickedness was revealed. In the wilderness should be a place where we meet with God deeply and we get deeper relationship with Him. But when they go to the wilderness, their wickedness, their evil nature surfaces. And I've been saying this throughout this conference this week. We are not the only one who experienced God. God also experiences us. How amazing is this? This is great love. And so, when it comes to salvation, God's grace is, is, is what saves us. But once you become a child of God, once you become Israel, uh, can God trust you with His glory? This is a different issue. In order so that He can trust you with His glory, He starts to shape you by bringing you into the wilderness. And you need to pass through that wilderness. Then God can entrust you with his glory. I'm a pastor, yes? And it's the same thing when it comes to pastoral ministry. God always shapes his pastors in the wilderness. And so their faithfulness, their relationship to God, from many all of these things are shaped in the wilderness. That took me 13 years. And so God doesn't just entrust His glory to anyone. In order to entrust this glory to you, He brings you into the wilderness and He continually experiences you and, <laughs> and reveals to you. <coughs> and so I've lived with God for 33 years. And now I cannot say that I know everything about God. But I've come to know His will and His purpose for me, His style in shaping my life. And because God has experienced me for 33 years, He also knows me better and better and better. And so, in, when it comes to my relationship to God, there's a certain kind of style. It's the same thing with spouses, right? The more intimate you are, your relationship develops its own characteristics, right? Its own particular characteristic. And you no longer have to adjust this. Like, for example, when I used to say to my wife, let's go eat. 
if she says, I don't want to go, I could not deal with it. I sh we had to go eat together. But now, if she says she doesn't want to eat, I understand why, and I, 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 it's okay. Uh, there's a reason why she doesn't want to eat. And so I can acknowledge that. Uh, in the past, if I called and she didn't receive it, I would get angry. I would call her a hundred times. <laughs> but now if she doesn't answer, I understand. Right? Even in the relationship between spouses, this happens, right? And in the same way, you develop your own style in your relationship with God. Now, of course, it's impossible to directly compare human relationships to your relationship with God. But, but if... When you don't walk with God, you will never develop this style, these, this particular stuff. And so, it'll be awkward to live with God. You don't know what to do when things happen. Or what should I do when this happens? Or what does God want? Or why is God like this? It's because you do not walk with God. Listen carefully, brothers. You need to continually personify your relationship with God by walking with God in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So continuing, verse 6. But when they had grace, they became full. They were filled and their hearts was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. And so, are, is the riches a problem? If riches, are they corrupted? And if they're empty, they will look for God? <coughs> then is it an issue about rich and poor? No, 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 no. Even if he gives you so much or no matter how poor you may be, it's about your relationship to God. It's not about the circumstances. And so if your relationship with God is shaken because of the nature of your stomach, as I said earlier, it's not about money, whether you have money or not money, right? Because I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. And so if you live in the Holy Spirit, instead of it making a relationship within the perspective of like your faith, but rather it's made in the perspective of your life. That your lifestyle becomes wise and effective. For example, let's say in order to get a job done, before I lived in the Holy Spirit, it takes me 10 days. Now, okay, I'm not saying this because work has to be done quickly, but I'm talking about wasted energy, right? But now, as I'm in the Holy Spirit, um, it takes a day. And so again, as I said, it's not about speed, but efficiency. Right? Many times, this has a lot of influence in business as well. So let's say I'm a student. If they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they study, and they, they embody their relationship with God, then there will be great change in the way they study. They'll be able to absorb more and more and more. And so these are practical aspects of change in your life when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And so verse 6, when it 
indicts them based on their circumstances is not because the circumstances are the fault, but because of the relationship with God. If you knew who he is and what, and what dignity he has given you, then circumstances have almost no effect on your relationship with him. Rather, if suffering comes, you would think, why is the suffering coming? What is God trying to do? What is God trying to give me? And so in faith, this is the things that you will see more clearly. And when you have that faith, God will work out on that based on that faith. And so as I said, faith isn't about your emotion. Rather, faith is the flow of God's power. It's the same thing with unbelief. Unbelief isn't just the simple state of not believing. No, unbelief leads your life in that flow. Faith leads you in the flow of faith. And so, there, and so when you live in faith and you live in unbelief, it's completely different. If you don't believe in your husband, your husband changes in that unbelief. If you don't have faith in your wife, your wife will change it that way. If you don't have faith in Kido, Kido changes in that way. Do you have faith in him? Okay, good, good, good. Thank you. <laughs> Why is she so angry? <laughs> Why? <laughs> so verse 7, the result. So I am to them like a lion, like a leopard. I will lurk beside the way. Right? God becomes a wild beast. And so as you live this life, losing out, losing the relationship with God, God is, remember, the most effective, most beneficial, most powerful, and most loving, right? That is who God is. And if you have a right relationship with Him, then His leading and His work will manifest in your life. Remember, he is the best bodyguard in the universe. And so if I live with him, it doesn't make sense to have worries. And that's why the Bible says, do not worry. Because I live with him, so it doesn't make sense to worry. And so look, if you live with this kind of God, it doesn't make sense to worry, right? But when you are self-centered and the, whole, and the world enters into you, then already you become awkward with God. It feels as if He's a burden to you. The Word of God becomes a trap to you, becomes a footfall. And as the time goes on and goes on and on, it feels as if that you are being, you are losing out when you work with God. And so you, when you're at this state, it means you probably aren't even praying anymore. Then all that's left is religious ritual. 
And maybe you'll leave the church. And so the word of God and God, let's say it gives you some kind of stress. That means that those standards of the world is entering into you. You need to be able to openly welcome the word of God. With all, with open arms, you need to be able to use everything of God. And it's not force, but enjoy. Because you understand and believe that whatever God gives, it is for your best. And as I look back in my life the past 33 years, nothing that God has given me has been harm to me. Whether it may be suffering, literal suffering or not, it doesn't matter. It was never harm to me. So this is what you need to receive in faith. But if it is, if it is a burden to you, then already God is, belong, is like a wild beast to you. And so examine yourselves. Is God a wild beast to you? Verse 8, he says something similar. I will fall upon them like a bear robbed of her curb cubs. I will tear open their breast, breast, right? Like a mother bear swallowing them up. And if God gets to this state, Israel can no longer be Israel, right? So verse 9 to, to 11. Now he judges the kings, uh, the monarchy. And so verse 9. He destroys you, O Israel. So Israel is destroyed already. And the reason for you are, uh, is it because your weapons are weak? It's because you don't have a strong economy. Uh, because you have not yet developed good weapon systems. No, no, none of these has an influence with Israel's success and destruction. Even if they don't have any of these things, all they need is God. And even if they have all of these things, if they don't have God, they lose. This is the principle to Israel and the children of God. I say again, the principle. And it applies to you as well. If you believe that you are the child of God and you are defeated, the reason is not because you lack money. It's not because you lack education. No, alone, only requirement is, is God on your side or not? That's where your destiny lies. And so if you're a child of God, this is the principle that applies to you. No matter how much you shake this Bible, all 66 books of the Bible promises this. All you need is God. That if you have me, you will be victorious. And so why do are they destroyed? For you are against me, against your helper. And so look. You know, you should choose your enemies wisely, right? And who is their enemy? God. And so it's not about what I have or not. That's not what's going to determine. It's who is for you. Amen? Who is for you? I trust 100% that God is for me. How about you? Do you trust that? Oh, you don't? You don't trust that God is for you? I was about to be surprised because you said no. Wow, is there a kid like this at our church? How about you? Juni's on your side, right? You don't need you don't need God on your side, right? It's okay. You have your girlfriend, right? Your girlfriend is on your side. So if God is for you on your side, then why do you live like that? <laughs> Pray, you rascal. 
pray your rascal, you need to bow down before God. I know you feel like every you have the world, you know, now that you finally got permission to marry. I, I know you think that the world is yours, but once you're married, this world is going to come at you. When you have a baby, oh my gosh, it's not all going to be roses. It might seem like good right now. Right now, yeah, right now is good, right? Right, Hayoni? Right? It should be good. No, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to be good. It's, it should be good. <laughs> okay, and so, verse 10 and 11. Where now is your kings to save you in all your cities? So king alone, God alone is their king, but they asked for a king. Why? Because they have received the world. And what happens to this? Where now is your king to save you in all your cities? Those of whom you said, give me a king and princes. And so when Israel was destroyed, these kings could not save them. God alone is our savior. Amen. And so in our lives, God alone must be king. If we make anything else as king, then our lives will be, will be trouble. God alone should reign over me. In the entire universe, there is only two laws for rule. Is God the king or are you the king? If you are the king, your life will be suffering. But I bless you that God alone will be your king. Verse 11. I gave you a king in my anger and I took him away in my wrath. And so God's fundamental heart towards his children is if he thinks that this will cause harm, he will not give it. But because of their wickedness, because of their stubbornness, God sometimes gives, but he gives in his anger. This is no longer a blessing then. Right? That's what's happening to Israel. God gives him a king, gives them a king in his anger. And because he gave it to his anger in his wrath, he takes it away. He destroys it. And so when we pray to God, what we need to examine in ourselves is this. It's not about is it God's will or not? But rather, am I intimate with God? Do, am I filled with His Spirit? These people will always seek according to God's will. So it's not important to seek God's will. You don't need to seek God's will. If you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you to pray in the will of God. If you have a right relationship with God, you will, you will pray for God's will. But if you are not in that state, you are filled with the spirit of the world, and yet you're asking God for his will, that is dangerous. It can be dangerous. In that state, the Holy Spirit doesn't care about giving you things. Rather, he demands you to repent. In that state, we shouldn't keep asking God for something. Israel forgot their relationship with God and kept asking God for meat, 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 meat. And so he gave them meat until they burst. 
And so let us be recognize this fact. Amen. Let's continue, brothers. Verse 12. So what happens? With, with this state of sin in the background, uh, Israel has been wallowing in their wickedness. And so what happens? Verse 12. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. <coughs> and so this iniquity of Israel... <coughs> is bundled up together. Things that were not righteousness is bundled up in Israel. Means that Israel has been concluded as unrighteous. That from Israel's perspective, they can no longer have a right relationship with God. And because they lost this righteousness, they can do nothing anymore. And so from the perspective of history, that's why Israel for the past 3,000 years have been suffering terribly. For example, let's say in your family, your, your house. And let's say your house is bound up in iniquity. Then that house cannot do anything. Right? During the time of Jonathan Edwards, right? Okay, there was that family that made um, a beer. And they, their family was completely ruined several generations down, right? What, what do we see in 1 Samuel? We see the uh, priest, Eli, his entire house gets wiped off because they've been bundled up in iniquity. And so your, your house is, is full of iniquity. This is dangerous state, right? And so the same context applies to the church, that uh, the candle has been removed. Your candle has been removed. If the glory of God is, flees from that church, that church is done. It's finished. The reason why the church is important is because God's glory is there. That glory, that the uh, radiance of the holiness is glory. If you lose holiness, there's no more glory. And that is what it means to be bundled up in iniquity. This is actually a very terrifying declaration. And because they have no righteousness, his sin is kept in store. There's no way to solve that sin because it's stored, it's kept in store. That the sin is kept in store in the heavenly tabernacles. So from the perspective of the Old Testament, when Israel sins, they offer a toting sacrifice, a sin offering. And this sin offering postpones postpones um, judgment. And so what that means is it's postponing uh, the sin in, in the heavenly tabernacles. Why? Because Messiah has not yet come. 
And so continually offering sacrifice for sin, that judgment is being postponed. But because they have been bundled up in sin, uh, they are completely separated from righteousness. And so the sin is kept in store in the heavenly tabernacle. That's dangerous, isn't it? And so what Jesus Christ has done is amazing grace, isn't it? But the fact that he has erased your sins in the heavenly tabernacles, it means that it's better than the joy that Israel experiences when they uh, celebrate the Day of Atonement. We have feasts every day, right? Because every day we are free from our sins. As Paul said in Romans, that I have been set free from sin. That sin has been completely annihilated. That you have been forgiven of your trespasses. What does this mean? That you have been separated from the suffering of life. That when you have been separated from sin, even if hardships come, but you will not die to that hardship. You will not uh, be destroyed. You will not be damned by that hardship. But without receiving that forgiveness of sins, what meaning is there in anything that you do? No matter how much money you have, you are damned anyways. No matter how much land you may possess, you are damned anyway. No matter how much power and authority you may have, either way you're damned. There's no meaning. And so, where does life begin? It begins when you are forgiven your trespasses. This is where you enter into true freedom. Why? Because what is the greatest um, burden to life? It's death, right? Because the wages of sin is death. And so to those who have solved death are free. And to those who receive forgiveness of their trespasses, they are free. And you remember what I talked about when I, when I, when I first uh, received, when I was first born again? I was not afraid of death. And so I would go to the top of the mountains to pray. And on, on certain days, there would be rain and thunder. And I was not afraid. And so I went to the highest point and, and held my umbrella up because I was not afraid of the lightning. But the people around me were going crazy. Oh, you're crazy. Get down from there. We're going to die with you. Oh, I forgot. It's not just me who dies if I die. And so I went down. I came down. And really, I was just so amazed. Right? When you're praying in the mountains, when lightning comes, you should be afraid. And I used to be afraid when I was, because I was a sinner. What happens if I, if I uh, get hit by lightning? But on that day, I was just at peace. I was at peace. And so I just went up with my umbrella without thinking. This is freedom, right? Freedom. And so when you have received forgiveness of sins, your life enters into freedom. 
And so if you are born again, that you should not be shaken regarding this. And so when I say do not worry, what is worry? Ultimately, it means that you have not escaped the clutches of death. Why are people so obsessed with money? Because through money, they're hoping to, to live forever. Why do they study so hard? Through that, they're trying to extend their lives. They're trying to extend, uh, their, they're trying to uh, defeat mortality. And so apart from holiness, there's no need to apply ourselves anywhere else. If God's glory is there, then we do it. But if not, then no need. There's no need to invest energy. And so the distribution of your energy is very clear when you live with the Holy Spirit. And so verse 12 is, is a very terrifying word, right? And so let's say someone messes around. That your iniquity is going to bound you up. <laughs> you actually don't have the authority to do that, so... <laughs> Verse 13. The pangs of childbirth come for him. So this is the result of verse 12. And so he needs to be born, but he's not born. And so look, it's talking to this unborn child. But he's an unwise son. Because it's time for his birth, but he doesn't come out. <laughs> so this is unwise son, right? He needs to hurry up and come out. Right? But after 10 months, still not coming out. And because God's judgment is upon them, nothing works out. And so, remember that it's when the woman gives birth to her child that her suffering stops. But because she's unable to give birth, what happens? She dies. So verse 13, or 14. I shall ransom them from the power of Shaul. I shall redeem them from death. So look, this is interesting. 14 can be interpreted in two ways. Okay, verse 13 was judgment, right? Verse 15 to 16 is also judgment. Then logically, verse 14 should also be judgment, right? <laughs> and so the first, um, first interpretation is that it's using irony, right? I shall ransom them from the power of Shoal. Right? It's a question. Shall I ransom them from Shoal? No, I will not. Shall I redeem them from death? And so in this way, it could be judgment, right? And this is a very uh, logical interpretation. But I do not follow that interpretation. Why? Because if you look at it from a prophetic standpoint, 
Many prophecies have these ki- this kind of characteristic that in the current of judgment, re- restoration is proclaimed. Right? We see that many times when we prophesy as well. Right? Even though the current and the flow is judgment, but there is restoration being declared. Same thing with visions. You see a vision of judgment, and all of a sudden, a vision of restoration just pops out of nowhere. That may happen, right? And so we can interpret this as hope for restoration. And one reason why this is, I believe in this is because if you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 55, Paul uses this verse. And so, of course, he's using the Septuagint. And Paul interprets this in this positive light. And because I'm close to Paul, I like Paul's interpretation. And also, this word redeem itself, in Hebrew, is the word pad, which means to redeem, right? Pay the price and take back. Uh, a ransom and then redeem is the word gar right gar which is to restore the inheritance and these are all words used to signify resurrection and so we should see this as restoration and so we should reinterpret it this way I shall ransom them from the power of Sheol I shall redeem them from death that that death you have no plague shoal you have no sting and compassion is in my eyes right? it's hidden from my eyes and so meaning that uh, resurrection through the life of Jesus Christ so whether it's Israel or us we all have the hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ And so, in this current of judgment being proclaimed, it seems as if Israel has no hope, and yet, he is declaring that there's still hope for restoration in Jesus Christ. So, brothers, if you have the resurrection life inside of you, then no matter the circumstances you find yourself in, it will never lose hope. This resurrection life is is the strength to break through all circumstances. There's nothing in this world that can tie it down. And so if we are born again, then you will, uh, then there is no doubt re- regarding this resurrection life. And so Israel is not completely destroyed, but now through the Messiah, they can also have redemption, resurrection. And so when you tie this in with other prophecies, this is the correct uh, interpretation. So whether it's Israel or Gentiles, we all must meet with Jesus Christ. And when we meet with Jesus Christ, we will have the resurrection life. They will have hope. Amen. And And so God will not regret these things. And so lastly, let's finish in verse 15, 16. This is really simple. Again, he goes back to judgment. Though he may flourish among his brothers, so as Israel is succeeding, right, during this time, and they were supposed to flourish, 
and yet the east wind comes. And as I talked about the east wind earlier today, it's the wind that dries everything up, withers everything away. Uh, the wind of the Lord shall come rising from the wilderness his fountain shall dry up his spring shall be parched it shall strip his treasury of every precious thing this is the result of what happens when you do not live by grace this is the result of what happens when you do not live by God and so when you don't live by God you cannot guarantee anything that you possess oh I have lots of money Oh, I have this knowledge. Oh, my father is my backing, is my security. Apart from God, nothing can guarantee your life. Brothers, be clear on this. It, it, it is great danger to delude yourself into thinking anything else can guarantee your life. God alone is my guarantee. That's why Jesus Christ is the uh, intermediary of the new covenant, right? He acknowledges me and he is my acknowledgement. He is my everything. Amen. And so verse 16, Samaria shall bear her guilt because she has rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword. And so, and so this is talking about the judgment of Northern Israel's riches. Their little ones shall be dashed in pieces so even the hope of the next generation is cut and their pregnant women ripped open so meaning that the generations dry up no more new seed so don't think like this wow God is so inhumane God is so uh, <coughs> so cruel but you need to understand that God was is patient and patient and patient, waiting for Israel. And when Israel has cast away that love, they deserve any judgment. Hold on a moment. I don't, I'm not entirely sure if that's what he said. But let's say that a child of God received a very cruel judgment from God. God is terrible. God is terrifying? No, we cannot say so. Because when you betray the grace that came from the salvation that flows forth from the blood that was spilled by His Son, Jesus Christ, then you cannot say that He is cruel or terrible. So what we should see when we see these kinds of judgments is that God is love that that love cannot be measured. And so when Israel deserves this suffering for betraying that love. And so really, when I see these judgments in the Old Testament, I feel God's love. And going beyond that, this judgment doesn't mean that they are damned. God judges them, why? Not to damn them, but to guard their dignity. And so the most tragic result of our life is to lose the dignity that God has given us. If we lose that dignity and still live like a pig, eating everything, that is the greatest tragedy in life. I'm a pastor, yes? 
And if my pastoral ministry causes harm to this dignity that God has given me, that someone pollutes that dignity, then I, will, I cannot stand it. I cannot bear it. I'm grateful that nothing like this has happened and nothing will happen like this. But it's the same thing applies to the child of God. In your life, the greatest source of strength is who God is and the dignity that He has given you. The greatest strength and motivator in your life it should be to protect this. And if I talk about the world of pastors a little bit, okay, who is a good pastor and who is a bad pastor? Uh, as I've been serving pastors for the past 20 years, okay, their talents don't matter. There's no big difference between their talents, really. But where is the victory? Who treats the dignity of their calling greater than their life? That's what will determine the success of a pastor. God will be pleased with those who give their lives for the dignity of their calling. But the pastor who treats this lightly, God will not treat with respect and dignity. It's the same thing to the children of God. Maybe you don't have the calling as pastors, but you are a child of God. And who treats that dignity of that calling greater than their life? That is what God sees. That, oh, if I don't have money, I sell it. If I, something is unsuccessful, I sell it. Then God cannot entrust you with His glory. And so through Hosea, brothers, make your commitment that I will put my, give my life for the dignity that God pours out upon me, that I will make no compromises. If so, God will pour out unlimited glory upon your life. Remember, when it comes to people, there's not much difference when it comes to talents. God is very fair. You may think to yourself that, oh, I'm envious of that person. No. God is very fair. God has created us all in His image. And so the talents, there's no difference. Oh, wow, she's beautiful. Why am I so ugly? No, that's just between you and me. But when God sees us, we are all beautiful. Truly. Oh, he's smart. Oh, even if his IQ, no matter how smart he is, his IQ isn't going to be more than IQ 250, right? So do you believe? So beautiful woman, what do you think? Are you okay? Okay, don't worry about Kidok so much, okay? Okay, let us pray. Wow, we can finish chapter 14 tomorrow. It's like this. I, I'm just saying, I don't want to... 
Uh, it's not that I don't want to go to Malaysia. It's that I don't want it to be a hook to make me go to Malaysia. I don't like being dragged around like that. Even if I do go, I want to go because I need to go. I want to go. And so we have finished Hosea. Okay, so today pray. Okay, don't go early because you have received high calorie nutrients. So I want you to um, digest it through prayer. And so turn off the lights and pastors, ministers will minister to you. And to, uh, let's run the race all the way until the end so that all the young adults would be loosened, unraveled. <coughs> so Lord, like today's word, we are seeing the importance of the dignity of our calling as children of God. And so, Lord, I want to commit my life, commit my life that I will not treat this dignity lightly, that I will give my life for this. And so our pastors, that they will not treat their calling lightly, but that they will give their lives for the dignity of their calling. And so tonight, as they pray, may it be a time where they meet with you deeply. That all of the Babylon standard that's mixed inside of them, may it be completely separated at this time. Like the topic of this conference, that they would not be mixed, that they would be pure. That they would be so precious in before your sight. That they would be those who can walk with you in full of joy. And help us to realize that it is now the season where the fullness of the Holy Spirit is easier and easier. That a new glory is coming upon us that has never been unleashed on the world before. In this time of darkness, in these end times, that the integrated glory of God is being poured out upon your people. That if you thirst for it, God will give it to you. That if you receive, if you seek in faith, God will give. That to those who treat his glory greater than their lives, God will unlimitedly pour out. And so, Lord, may that night, or may tonight be that night. Upon these beloved young adults, pour out your glory. Moses, as he gave, as Moses gave for this glory three times in his life, reveal your glory. Show me your glory. And so, Lord, may this holy thirst burst forth from within us tonight. Help, Holy Spirit, help us. Heavenly hosts, open the gates of heaven destroy the work of the devil that tries to obstruct our prayer. Oh Lord, be present in this place. Touch us deeply. Make, make us anew that we would pray in the Holy Spirit. 
Holy Spirit, lead us. More, Lord. Come upon us powerfully, Lord.